Okay, so this podcast is going to be one of my most favorites. I do want to start and give a little speech. Gosh, it's going to be a good speech. Um, so um, I'm here with Kale, also known as Kaylee. Kale Chip, Kaylee, Kale, yeah. all the things. Do you see what I – wait, Kale Chip? Kale Chip. People call you that? Yes. Is that <laughs> a nickname? Like, yeah. God, I like love kale, it. the vegetable, so – yeah, uh, people started calling wow. me like kale chip because I, I ate even, a lot of kale chips. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's my uh, Instagram handle, kale chippy. How did I not know that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to look when we're done. Wait, do you still like kale chips a lot? I do love kale chips. Dude, kale chips are the shit. I'm making myself comfortable. You see this? We're in the dark now with a candle. We're here. Nobody can see us. I haven't All washed right. my hair in like five days. So Dude, today is day – actually, today is day seven for me. And I was going to wash it before you got here. And then I was like, no, that takes too much. But I'm going to get it done on Thursday. So I'm going to ride the wave. Do it. I'm going to dry shampoo McKenna before bed. going to be like, this is disgusting. I know. It's going to be fine. It'll I know. Really, she's going to really be fine. Yeah, I know, McKenna. I know you're listening. So when you see me in a couple of days, this is why I'm ratchet. Ask Kale Kenna chip. about whenever I come to see her. She's Dude, like, okay. I'm <laughs> – and you might need to cut this little piece out because it's a little. I also was thinking about that today about you, and that you only get your hair colored once a year. Yeah, that's that is a beautiful thing, and I'm jealous of it because I just am not. But you pull it off very well. Thank you. I uh, if it wasn't, I don't mind the gray, but when the like red tone comes through, mm. I don't like it. So I don't I feel like you have a lot of gray. Out. I'm gonna have to look when the light comes on. I have a lot of gray. Oh my gosh! Kenna, okay, can I'll I'll see Kenna and she'll uh like fade from my eyes up to my hairline Stop. and back to my eyes and she'll be like, "Girl, I love you," but you got some gray coming in. I love you so divorce, much, but we're gonna cover color. this up. Do you just tone it or do you put actual color on it? Um, I don't know what she does. That's how little mm -hmm. I know about hair. I, don't I love know that anything. for you. You just I say, just "Here's say, my card. Have a good day." Yeah, she just knows me, and she knows she's the that best. I cut it like once every year and a half, and she like barely trims it, and she just knows she's my girl. Man, that's wild. I I need to get on. The, no, I like to say I would get on that train, but my ass is way too bougie. Let's be honest. I like my weave. I like my hair. You want to know? And what's that's funnier? it. Uh, she. I have never owned a blow dryer in my entire life. The I only can't. time I've ever had oh my, my hair gosh. blow blow dried, blow blowed dry, out a little blowout. Is when Kenna does it once a year. Stop. And so I was like, I really love the way this looks when you give me a blowout. And so she gave me my first curling iron a couple weeks ago and my first blow like dryer. Recently? Like, yeah. Like that was like right ago. after I saw you for my photo yes. shoot. Stop. And I would never, oh ever use one in my life. Have you used it since once. you got it? Yeah. Did you love it? Uh, it took a really long time. I was like, I'm not here for that. But this. the girls, what about your, your, do the girls like their hair curled? They like their hair curled. Yeah, I have like a crimper for them. And then she like, oh my gosh. Me up she was like, okay, I mean, you can try it. And oh I did it. Oh my gosh. And I sent her a picture and I was like, hey, check me out. Okay, I'm going to see that photo at the end. I want to see it. Deal. Okay, so we're going to get off track about a million and eight times today, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what I love about us. Um, I do want to preface this episode for the people who are listening. This is me being serious for once in my life, you guys. Um, Kale and I are going to talk about some really hard things, some deep things. So if you are triggered by domestic violence or sexual assault, please do not listen to this episode. Um, I mean that with all sincerity. 
Um, also, if you are in a really bad situation, please find someone to reach out to. I do not have a hotline or maybe Kale can give us that at the end. Yeah. You know? Or so, you can just call me. Yes. Please reach out to Kale. She will have some information for you if you have any questions. Um, we also want to say that who we are going to talk about in this episode there are names that might be accidentally slipped. We're going to do our best not to do that. Yeah. Um, but there are some people that Kale has the utmost respect to. So if you know these people or you are these people, um, we are just sharing a story for other people, for local people who are listening. This is not to be hurtful to anyone. Um, we're just sharing a story. Yeah. Okay. So um, that being said, man, that was that was good. That was good. So that being said, let's go all the way back to um, high school. Let's start with um, where you grew up, yeah. where you went to high school, and let's kind of start there, and then we'll just kind of guide our way back through all the stories. Right. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Aztec. Um, I grew up in a super awesome home um i have a sister and my parents are still together they're amazing awesome that's amazing i didn't even know you had a sister yep i have an older sister does Um, she live still locally she lives in bayfield oh my gosh yeah she's uh six years older than me do i know her um maybe elise maybe i don't know she's i want to meet her she's really fun i like people but i don't think i know who that is man okay sorry continue i i just had no idea (laughs) I don't know if I thought it's you were so an only funny. child. I just I didn't mean, know. We're not, not super, super close. Right. But we've gotten a lot closer in like recent years. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Because there is a pretty big age gap. But Right. That is a big age gap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Aztec. Um, I played soccer in high school. Um, I was definitely, they actually named me like class clown. Like jokester in high school. Really? I was just like, yeah, I was just like. Telling jokes? Always telling jokes. <laughs> I was always like the best fun time. Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandma. She like raised me mostly because my parents worked a lot. Okay. Not for lack of anything else other than right. just working a lot. Um, she's an angel sent from heaven above. If anyone knows her, Patsy Hill. Oh. The best. Okay. Um, what is your ethnicity? <laughs> I don't I know. I love that. I don't know. Wait, what? You don't know? I, mean, I know a little bit. Like, I know that I have a little bit of uh, Navajo Indian, like, just a okay. little bit. I was, um, I was going more, like, I thought maybe you were Italian. And so, I might like. Be. It's so funny because I literally stop. don't know. Okay. Crazy? We're going to do one of those tests yeah. where you bring it and then mail it. I we should. have to. You have to. I should. To find out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I. Yeah, I grew up in Aztec, went to Aztec High School. Um, I played soccer. I um, met my ex, now ex-husband when I was a freshman in high school, and he was a senior. Um, I was in student council. Oh I did gosh. a lot of stuff like within my church. I was just really busy and always just super active, having a good time. Yeah. That's basically what I was always wanting to do. Oh, my gosh. Man, I feel like – sometimes I forget that Aztec is like bigger than what it is like the high school and just like the area like it's not small you think it's like the size of Bayfield Aztec like the high I school say so yeah and or I a little bit like bigger there's a lot of people in Aztec like like the community is it's really spread out but there's a lot of people within right, the area I right feel like and a lot of people like come from Farmington or Florida Vista even and like went to Aztec High School because sports obviously very competitive the sports. right okay so 
Do your does your family like your parents still live in Aztec? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they still live in the same house that I grew up in. Really? Uh-huh. That's really cool. Yeah. I always love those stories. A house like that you grew up in, your childhood home. I feel like for millennials especially, holds like those really special memories. Yes. And yeah. I think it's also really special that your parents are still married because mm-hmm. that's also just really rare. It is, especially yeah. now, you know. Um, I think it's also why it makes it so hard to divorce. Yes. And so hard to do those things because you kind of don't really have that. You can't call your mom. Right. It's not as – Yeah. It's not as uh, – accepting i guess yeah it's very i think we'll we'll kind of get to that when we get to like the divorce part of the story but i just feel like that part is is it's amazing that your parents are still married and it's also kind of it's hard because you really want to call your mom to get that advice and it's hard to take advice from someone who has never walked in your shoes doesn't know Yeah. yeah and that's just kind of what it comes down to so you met your so you were a freshman and you met your um, now ex-husband and then yes he did he leave and go to college but you stayed in high school um yeah so he graduated um we dated for a little bit that summer and then we kind of fell off he I don't really know what he did for a little while there okay um we got back together my like late sophomore year um and he was living in Aztec he was working in the area um and we dated seriously from then on so okay it was about 10 years total that we were together okay um and he was working at verizon and just living his life town yeah okay his life um and i ended up actually graduating early from high school because oh it was kind of i mean honestly the relationship was pretty dysfunctional from the beginning it was like very it seemed like when one of us was like all in the other one that wasn't yeah that and like, it was just kind of like this tug of war like yeah. the whole so time. before we move forward were your parents okay with you dating someone who wasn't in high school like was no. that a no okay i just feel like i'm <laughs> like knowing our age like yeah. the millennial thing like that was it was almost like maybe it was a thing because he was like that older bad boy you right. know kind of vibe. that definitely was like the attraction and yeah. i met him actually through the church that i his um, family, like, helped start up the church that we were okay. going to. And so that's kind of where I met him was, like, through the youth group. Okay. And we had mutual friends and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So you graduated early. So did you graduate your junior year of high school? Um, halfway through my senior year. Oh, wow. So I graduated, okay. like, six months early. Um, and that was mostly, well – Mostly because all my friends were all a year older than me. The people that I had grown up with, all my best friends all graduated. And so I didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, And mine and his relationship was like very codependent. So Mm, he didn't really like that I was still in high school and I wanted to be older than I really was. And so I was like, and I had torn my ACL and so I couldn't really play soccer. And so it was just kind of like, okay, well, what is going to get out of this if I'm not enjoying myself? Right. Yes. Which I, Wish I wouldn't have done that, but here we are. So where did you decide to go to college? Um, I decided to go to UNM. So him and I, I graduated early. I actually went to move up to Durango with him, and I was just working at Applebee's, and I – Stop. <laughs> yeah. Did Applebee's is <laughs> shit. 
I did not know you worked at Applebee's. <laughs> I worked yeah, those at are the days of our lives. Isn't that Stop. so funny? A waitress at Applebee's? No, just a uh, hostess I, dude, at the Durango Applebee's. Dead ass. I probably saw you at the Applebee's. I used to Guaranteed. go to Applebee's all the time. You probably saw me at Applebee's. I just didn't know who you were. It was a good time. It was like six months of my and life. And we literally were the free, same age. I got a lot of free uh, boneless wings, and <gasps> it was a good time. They have the best wrap with french fries and Mexican sauce. It's funny. I haven't been there since I worked there. I couldn't tell you the last time I have been to Applebee's, but now I would like to go to Applebee's. Let's go together. Oh, my God. You and me. We have to. We Let's have get a to. wrap. Yeah. Actually, um, this is a side story because this is what we do. I went – Tony and I went before he knew, like, the real crazy in me, and he ordered, like, this fajita something, and they brought it, and it was wrong. Oh. And this is when I learned, like, he's the person that, like – if your waiter brings you something that's wrong, he's not going to say anything. Oh, me too. Never. And, and he learned that I'm the person that, like, flips the table, mm-hmm. you know, to get the right order. So that was probably the last time we went to Applebee's because somebody gave him a gift card. And I think we were, like, barely dating. And he was like, hey, you want to go to Applebee's? And I was like, um, what? But, yeah. So, anyways, that was <laughs> that was just a side story. So, okay, you worked at Applebee's. You moved. To Durango. Mm-hmm, to be with him mostly. To be with him. Were you doing online school? I had graduated at that point. So I was like in limbo about what I wanted to do. Um, if I wanted to. I was kind of waiting to see how my knee was going to heal up. I had okay. a like a pending soccer scholarship. And I also had like a scholarship before I to UNM. So I was, oh. I was Is that of, in Albuquerque? Yes. Okay. I was kind of like trying to decide what to do. And then he ended up moving um, to Odessa to work in the oil field. Oh. And so I was like, we kind of had some issues while he was gone. Mm-hmm. All the things that could happen, you know, in a long distance relationship. Right. And there wasn't, it was just tumultuous. Um, And so we ended up splitting and I ended up going to UNM. Oh, wow. Yep. What did you go to school for? Um, I was going to UNM for uh, sports medicine. So I was going to get into athletic training. Oh. But I was only there for a week. A week? A week. Okay, so I want you to only talk about what you are comfortable talking about. Right. You don't have to go into any details. Well, you know, you yeah. share what you feel no, like I you want to share with. I feel safe okay, doing good. that. I've, uh, like I was chatting with you about earlier, I've, I love sharing my story. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about. But of course, but it's very it's powerful. It's so helpful. Yeah. And I just love helping other people. Like, that's just a very big impact in my heart, and I just – I love helping people, so oh my gosh. I know that okay. my story helps other people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's I mean, and that is like the point of all of this. Um, so yeah. Okay. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> Literally, yeah. here we go. <laughs> so, and I don't think I've ever shared this story. No, with you. that's why I'm like, oh my god, am so I ready going, for this? Because like, I so like I I know parts of it and like yeah. things that you've shared on social media, right, and stuff like that. But we, you and I, have never sat and talked, right. Yeah. But we're about to. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I took my scholarship to UNM. Him and I split. Um, my parents helped move me down there. We got like a super cute studio apartment. I was just going to just go for it, you know, um, and start over. That was right. kind of like my mindset, you know. Um, I had some friends that were like ride or dies, lifelong friends who had – graduated the year prior and gone to UNM before me so they were already there for like a year before I was so I was like yeah they can show me the ropes all that good stuff um (laughs) I'm getting all choked up it's okay 
Do you want me to get some tissue? No. Are you sure? No, no. Okay. I'm just like, okay. I get nervous. I don't know. Don't be nervous. Um, but yeah, so I, my parents helped me move down there. My mom um, stayed for a couple extra days to like help me get settled and all that good stuff. And she decided to go home, obviously. Um, and those friends had texted me and they were like, hey, you should come out tonight. You should, I know you're really bummed. I know that you're really sad about your breakup. Um, you should come out. Like, don't sit in your room come out and hang out with us. So I was like, cool. So they came and picked me up. Um, and we went to like a little get together at one of their boyfriend's houses. It was in like this super nice neighborhood in Albuquerque. And her boyfriend was on the track team at UNM and he was a senior. Um, and I remember we got there and got all settled in and we're hanging out. And like, to preface this, I was not a drinker. Like I drank maybe once in high school. Um, I was very shy when it came to like boys and guys and I was always very committed to my boyfriend so I was like not interested in any way right um so anyways we get there and her boyfriend and his roommate um come over and they bring me a drink and so I'm like cool thanks for the drink you know small tiny short drink um I sit down and I see a friend that was from high school and I was like, hey, so he came over and sat down with me and we were chatting and I took a couple sips of my drink. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up. It's the next day. Um, I am naked from the waist down. Ugh. I'm on this couch in a room that I don't even recognize. Oh, my gosh. Um, my clothes are and my phone are folded up and stacked on the table next to me. And I don't know what what's happened. Um, I knew that I wasn't drunk. I knew that I was with what I thought was good company and good friends and I didn't I just didn't know what was going on. So I got up, I walked around the house, I couldn't find anyone. I didn't know what to do. So I called my friends over and over and over again until they answered and was like, "Where are you guys?" They told me, "Well, you know, you were acting really weird and drinking really like sporadically and doing these weird things and like you did not want to leave, so like we just came home." Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, that doesn't really make any sense, but can you come and get me please and take me home? So they came and got me and I like, my adrenaline was so up at this point that I didn't realize like the physical Mm -hmm. state that I was in. Um, they came and picked me up and they basically said, yeah, you just got super drunk. You probably made a couple mistakes, go home and sleep it off. So they dropped me back off at my apartment. I go inside and I'm just still not convinced about anything that's just happened. Right. Um, and I like start realizing that I'm in a lot of physical pain. And so I go and I turn on the light and I look in the mirror and my whole face is just black and blue, swollen. There's bruises all over my neck, cuts and bruises all over my arms. Um, oh my gosh. And I completely undress and see cuts, bruises, swelling, just a whole bad situation. Um, And so I called another friend that I had known from back home that also lived in Albuquerque and told her what happened. And she came and picked me up. And um, we called her mom, who I was really close with growing up. And she was like, just take her into the rape crisis center. And at that point, I didn't even want to accept that that was my reality, right? But I'm so thankful for those people. Yeah. So, yeah, we went to the 
rape crisis center, which if you guys, if any of you listening are ever in a situation, even if it's past the time of your rape, please feel comfortable enough to go and see these people because they are angels and they just want to help you and they are just a godsend. And it's just a really safe space. Yeah. Yeah. So we got there and they had me um, undress on like a tarp in case any evidence were to fall or be used in court or any of that kind oh of stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, they take you in and with your permission, they photograph everything. Um, they do swabs, they do urine samples, they do blood tests, all the things to cover all the bases, right? So they did all these things. And by this point, I was in like a considerable amount of pain. Um, and they came back in and told me that they had ran my urine and I tested positive for roof and also roofies. Um, oh my God. Very high in my system. Um, and they said, we need to take you back for some x-rays because we don't know what's going on. So they did some x-rays and they came back and said that I had, someone had, they had beaten me half to death. I had shattered all but two ribs. Um, the right side of my face, all my bones in my face were broken. Um, and they said that you had been raped, most likely gang raped by more than one person. Oh my gosh. And had most likely fought your way to try to get out and were not capable of. And so that's why they probably beat you by either kicking you or hitting you with something or something of the sort. That's where all the, the broken bones came from. Um, so yeah, that was a lot to take in. Um, and so they gave me, you know, medications for STDs and uh, morning after pill, all that kind of stuff. Um, and asked if I wanted to move forward with pressing any charges. Right. And at that point, I just wasn't like mentally there yet. I was still just trying to digest like what was going on um, and sent me home. And so my friend took me back to my apartment and stayed that night with me and then had to get on with her life the next day. And right. I mean, she was still really young too. Like we were all really young and didn't really know what to do. And I wasn't, wasn't very close with my mom growing up. We had a lot of issues, um, which we've come so far in that. But yeah. I didn't feel safe to call and tell her because I just felt so much shame. And I knew that she would be upset with me for going to a party and putting myself in that situation. You know what I mean? And I don't think today right. that she would have been, but at that point. Well, and the world was very different back yeah. then than now. So I feel like that is a very realistic situation at the time. And that probably is what would have happened. Yeah. Not, you know, that that's, the world, yeah, that's it was the just way very that different. the world saw it, you yeah. know, like if you put yourself in that position, yeah. you're asking for it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I was just afraid to really tell anyone. Um, and I was really close with my ex's mom. Like we were super, super tight. Yeah. And so I remember just like, I think it was like 48 hours of just a blur of just like me laying on my apartment floor. and then By I yourself? By myself. Ugh. And then I finally just got up and I just started driving and like, when I realized where I was driving, I was driving back home to Aztec and I just drove to her house and I told her everything that had happened um, and stayed with her for a few days. I still hadn't told my mom at this point. I was still too afraid. Um, no one knew except for her. And um, I knew that I had to get back to school. I had to get back to, to going with my life. At least that's what I thought I needed to do. So I drove back to UNM um, and I had classes starting the next day. And so I picked myself up, 
I mean, they can't do anything, obviously, for broken ribs or right. the bones in my face. Had to reassess that at a later date, but walked to my first class, and I walked in, and one of the roommates from the house was in the classroom as soon as I walked in and gave me a nice grin and a wave. Oh, and my gosh. I just remember it was like getting sucker punched, and I just dropped everything, and I just ran. Like, I just started running, and I don't even really remember where I ran to. Um, I just know some random person like stopped on the side of the road to help me because I was just like hysteric. I was in hysterics. Um, and so at that point, uh, his mom had told him what, about what had happened to me. Um, and he, so he drove from Odessa to try to find me in Albuquerque. Your, okay. Your ex-husband. Yeah, okay. My ex-husband, okay. um, came to find me and help me through all of it. Um, at that point, I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't go to this school. I yeah. have to leave. Like, I just um, – and so I just packed up a bag, and I just went back to Odessa with him. Um, and at that point, I told my parents about what happened. Um, and I had decided to move forward with pressing charges against these people. So I, you know, called the police department, said I was ready. They got all of the evidence from the rape crisis center and started trying to move forward with what – was like a two-year-long process wow from that point oh my gosh that's a really long time Mm -hmm. yeah wow and so yeah I moved to Odessa and that's when things got really dark for me um I was just I remember I remember I didn't leave the house for like months like I would just lay on the floor and just stare at the ceiling and shower every couple of days and just like in this, you know, haze of just yeah. the one thing I did is I, I would, sh- I would get like, my skin would be raw because I would get in the shower so many times a day because I was just trying to scrub the shame off. Of oh. And it would, you know, and I cry. just, you know, and like, it's hard to explain, but like, there's a difference, a big difference between guilt and shame, right? right. Like Absolutely. guilt is yeah. like, I have done something wrong. And shame is like, I am something wrong. Yeah. You know, existing in this world. And that's how I felt. And I just wanted to scrub it off because I felt like everyone could see it. And I just wanted it to not be there anymore. Yeah. And so that was a dark time. Yeah. And so just took it day by day and step by step. And I was seeing a therapist and, you know, it was simple steps of, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to shower and I'm going to eat. And then tomorrow I'm going to step outside and I'm going to go for a walk. And then it was, you know, tomorrow I'm going to make myself get out of the house and go get groceries. And like, I clearly remember the first time I left the house, I went to Walmart in Odessa and I must've dropped, I think it was my wallet. And I didn't know because I was just like in fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And this gentleman had like tapped, like grabbed me on the shoulder and I just remember whipping around and just whacking him and then just falling in the full fetal position, like head between my knees. Oh, my god! Like gosh. full panic attack. And it's not like I can't I can't mentally remember what happened to me. Right. But my body could physically remember what happened to me. And so it was just day by day, you know. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. For We lived there for about six months. And then we moved back home. But it was just... It was hard, the idea of even moving back home because the people, um, the girls that I had grown up with, that their boyfriends, the whole thing, um, they had 
turned their backs on me and had blamed me for the assault and said that I was ruining their lives and had testified against me that I was a whore and that I had a drinking problem. Oh, and these were like your friends from high school. These were my friends from grade school. Like, literal family to me. Wow. And they totally turned their back on me and, and testified against me in my battle. So you essentially did it. And I'm sure it felt like you were doing it alone. 100%. I think that was a part of your life where you needed friends the most. Yeah. Where you needed people to hold you the most. And you had essentially, you know, we always have our families and we always have those things. But I think that was a time where you really could have used yeah. someone to hold your hand in a friendship form. Yeah. And I had no one. Oh, man. And they had um, told like – all of our mutual friends in Aztec about that I was a whore and I was trying to ruin these people's lives because I was too embarrassed to admit that I had gone out and slept with someone. Right. Um, and so that was just kind of going around small town Aztec. Um, and so there was a lot of fear in moving home, but I knew that I, I knew that I needed to start over and I needed to be close to family. And I just, I just, and you probably wanted to come it. home. Yeah. I wanted you, to come yeah. home, but it was also really terrifying. So, yeah. So, when you, at the end of that two years, were they charged? Were they, how did that end? No. So that kind of goes into this lovely country of how many untested rape kits are right. sitting in every police department, every city, every place in this country. It's honestly so That's disgusting. Um, but so, yeah, I had done all the steps we had. They had DNA evidence. So they had semen. They had urine. They had photos. I had textual evidence. All they needed to seal the deal was the blood work. Um, and so I called once a week for two years, like waiting for somebody to just test this blood. Super easy, right? Just test the blood. And at the end of the two years, I got a phone call and they said, well, someone dropped the ball. The blood work was never pushed through and tested within this window. And so it's no longer feasible in court. Oh, so my gosh. So the whole gosh. case was dropped. Yeah. And so that probably felt like it happened all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just really – I was just really angry. And after that happened to me, I really dove into my research to see what was happening to other people. And yeah. it, if it, it's a very rare instance that someone's actually persecuted for right. what they've done. It's definitely not like what you see on Law and Order SVU where no. everyone is found guilty and goes Absolutely to jail. Absolutely not. I think that's a really big misconception with people too is that, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that from beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you have to be really brave to do it. and You have you to be so strong. And you don't really get a lot out yeah. of it, which is really, really hard. I think even, you know, what's so magical about you sharing this story is that the ending of your story isn't this, you know, pretty picture where the person, where the people who hurt you are behind bars, right? There yeah. isn't, you are helping to help and tell your story yeah. so that it helps other people with still no answers for yourself. Yeah, and I'll never get them. And yeah. so it just became a, I felt a lot of guilt for because I am a Christian and I was raised to forgive people, right? Right. And so that's what I've always known. And I wasn't, for the longest time, I wasn't able to forgive any of those people involved. And I just felt so much guilt. 
and it really weighed so heavy on me. And so I had to start saying like, instead of I have to forgive these people is I'm going to forgive these people. So it was just an active day to day of like, if I keep drinking this poison, the only person that's hurting is me. Right. This hatred I'm carrying is only hurting me. It's not hurting these people. They're never going to have to answer for what they've done. They're never going to apologize. I mean, it's never going to happen. And so I have really powerful. to swallow it and I have to turn my anger into love somehow for them. And yeah. so even though it, it like burned even coming out of my mouth, I had to start praying for blessings for these people that hurt me so deeply, but were still worthy of a good life moving forward. Yeah. Even man, that is, that just makes you a really good human because I mean, it wasn't easy and it's, it took a lot of years for me to, it is probably what you needed for you to move forward. Absolutely. That's what you needed for you to move forward. And I think, um, so you guys moved home. Did you get a lot of that backlash like when like you thought you would when you moved home? I did. Um and when I had right when I moved home, um, we found out that we were pregnant with Avery. Oh wow. People were and it was like it was kinda like people were like, Aha, I told you she was like a whore. Right. Right, because if you know, she slept with him, so she must have yeah done it with all of them. And I was nineteen. So it was like Oh my gosh. So young. Um well, I think and, just and a lot. She, she saved my life, ultimately, that girl. Oh. And I mean, it's what I needed, and that's God knew I needed her, right. ultimately. Well, and I think it's kind of like a lot happened in that moment. You know, you guys got back together, yeah. and so then you have this um, almost trauma bond yes, to him. absolutely. Because he essentially saved you. Yep. And that mental, physical state that you were in, yep. he saved you, and so you then trauma bond yes. to him for that probably forever mm-hmm. just even that that part of that but yeah you know so yeah oh, I didn't know that you got pregnant with Avery right after that yeah and then you guys moved home yeah well we had moved home and then I found out like as soon as we got back that I was pregnant with Avery um and at that point I just I knew that I was still like really emotionally rocky but I knew that I have always dreamed of being a mom and right. I wanted to be a good mom and I didn't want my trauma and my pain affecting her life you right. know and of course I'll share that story with her eventually but yeah. I just wanted to be a good mom and so I just really dove into therapy and just really trying to dig myself out of my tre- the trenches that I was in um so that I could be a good mom and she just saved me like yeah she really did and yeah. then how long out did you guys get married before she was born? Nope. So we had her in September um, of 2013, and then we were married in August of 2014. Okay, so after. So a year after, about a year. Yep. And then a year after that, we had Aspen. Oh, my gosh. It's so crazy when you talk about time like that because it just makes it go so much faster yep. than it actually is. Like you just You just realize that time is really just a bitch and a thief. <laughs> So did you guys do the, I feel like back then, especially, you know, the world evolves and is changing so much now, but back then, especially being young and getting pregnant, like your steps are because you got pregnant, you get married. Mm -hmm. This is what you do. Do you feel like you guys wanted to be married because 
you loved each other or do you think you got married because that was just what you do? Um, the time around when we got married was actually the healthiest time that we were together. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So he, um, he had a lot of demons, a lot of addictions early in our relationship. Um, and so he had really worked through those. And so when we, once we had Avery, that's kind of when he really dove in and started working through all of that stuff. And so we were both really involved in the church, really involved with our small groups, like just really involved with community. And we were, that was a really good time in yeah. our lives and in our relationship. And so we really did get married truly for love at that point. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. At least that's, you know, that's a great part of your story. And I think the hard thing about marriage and just love in general is people change, mm-hmm. love changes and yeah, things evolve and it makes it hard to walk away from. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in soulmates so mm-hmm. much, but I do believe that like, we were never meant to be together forever, I yeah. guess, because we just it didn't ever, didn't ever work, right. you know? And so right. even when it was good, there was a lot of bad and there was so many um, bad habits that we had created and boundaries that we had crossed that you couldn't go back from and a lot of control. There was a lot of abuse, um, verbal abuse physical abuse um, I think some things that we aren't taught when we're falling in love at a young age in high school is what that like trauma and toxicity between two people really is yeah so when you take two people that just like one of the things that becomes so addict I learned this in therapy is that you get addicted to the adrenaline of the toxic. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's – I was trying to describe this to someone recently who's never been in any kind of situation, like any DV or anything like this, yeah. and I was trying to explain um, being addicted to the adrenaline of that you know that it's coming, you know that you're having those fights, and when you when it's calm – because your life in your marriage and your relationship isn't that, you don't know what that actually is. And so I remember my therapist used to say, you need to take out a piece of paper for 15 minutes, you know, think about what you're saying, think about what you're doing, and you'll be a totally different person in 15 minutes. And it was the craziest thing because it is true. And so something that we really don't learn is that you can get addicted to toxic relationships. And so when you talk about walking, people always say, well, just be strong and leave. It's never that fucking black and white. It's never that. And I've learned a lot of since my divorce about codependency and narcissism and, you know, so many, so much of the cycle. And um, it's like, you don't ever have enough time like catch your bearings right when mm-hmm. you're in a when you're in an abusive relationship it's like the highs are super high and the lows are super low and you never have time to like figure out where you're at because it's just so back and forth and so yeah. drastic from one to the other that you never know where you're really at and so it's just like all the days kind of phase together and like I feel like I was never able to like see any of my relationship for what it was right because until I was out of it and getting out though isn't it isn't just walking away it's no. not just it's it's just it's an interesting way to describe 
I like how you said that the highs are just so high and the lows are so low. And the lows usually come so much more than the highs. But because the highs feel so good. You just grasp onto them for dear life. You hold on to those babies and think, no, this has got to be it. Um, So, okay, so after... And so when we get into this part of the story, I only want you to share, again, what you're comfortable right. sharing with, um, and then we'll kind of circle back around to right. what it's like to leave that and then be in something healthy. Because yeah. I think, um, for me, having a healthy relationship was really hard. And so it's an interesting way to think, like, man, I I want healthy, but when you have been through so much bad you have to also accept that you're fucked up too mm-hmm. and that you need help and that you don't know what healthy actually is. Yeah. So, um, okay, so you you guys had, after you guys got married, that was the best time of your marriage. And yeah. then you had Aspen shortly mm-hmm. after that. And then what happened after that? Um, there was, um, he was very controlling. Um, and so it all, I started doing photography. And so I started making my own money and I started, you know, doing my own thing and having some independence and, um, that didn't sit well. Um, and the addiction started rolling back in and the abuse really, really kickstarted again. Um, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of focus on my weight basically my whole life like with growing up um and then also with him and even with people surrounding him like I and it was really hard because while we were married we were really involved with our church and there's some really amazing people that I still love so much from that church but there was a lot of elders um speaking things into my ear that were very untrue but Mm -hmm. I trusted them and so it was you know if I he was very serious about my looks and my weight and so he would be very controlling about it. He would make comments. Um, he would want me to eat certain macro counts, certain calories a day. If I didn't, I had to do these things to work it off. I was supposed to look this way because I was his wife and he wanted to, he was supposed to be attracted to me, right? As his wife, it was my job to look attractive for him to be attracted to me. So Ugh. he didn't look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was getting right. that from elders, people that I trusted and thought were wise. And so I was constantly saying, okay, I need to do this for him so that he doesn't look elsewhere. Or I need to, you know, I need to look this way. I need to act this way. These chores need to be done. I need to have makeup on when he gets home. The house needs to be clean. I need to have worked out. I need to have, you know, done all of these things. And um, I even had people telling me like, you know, if you're not satisfying his needs, then it's okay for him to look elsewhere. And so I had, I was in a performance marriage. Right. And so if I wasn't performing, he wasn't happy. But if I was performing, we were okay. And so you can't always keep up that performance, right? Like no one can. No. And it was just bad habits created from the beginning. Yeah. And so it kind of crumbled as that went on and I wasn't able to sustain the performance. Um, And the years went on and I was less exciting and you know all of those things um yeah so that's kind of where it led and then um there towards the end 
um, I remember I was just trying so hard. Like my main focus was like, what can I do for him to love me better for me to be like who he wants me to be? And that's what I was striving to do every single day. And every day it felt like it was farther and farther away. And I remember the night before everything happened, um, I remember just like falling to my knees and just begging God. And I was just like, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just so hopeless at this point and whatever. Like I always say my favorite thing, my favorite verse, my favorite, um, truth is to trust without borders. And I remember at this point that like my marriage and my children were like in this box and like, God, you can have everything else in my life, but you can't get in this box, right? This is mine. I control it. You don't get it. This is me. And so I remember that night and I just fell and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm giving it to you. Here you go. You take it. Let your open doors be open and slam the closed doors. Like I just need direction on what to do because I don't have any, at that point I felt like I couldn't leave because that's wrong. Right. Right. In In our day and age. And even what my beliefs were, like, I can't leave him even though I have every reason to, I can't. I can't do it. And so I just begged God. I was like, if this is not meant to be, I need to just slam this door shut. I don't care what it takes, slam it shut. And so the next day was my birthday. um, And he had texted me. I had just dropped Avery off at preschool. And he had texted me and was like, hey, I'm going to come home this morning. Can you take Aspen to Lexi's house, which is my best friend? And I was like, sure. So I was like, took her over there, thought, you know, Maybe he's going to bring me coffee or something. Yeah. He shows up and he tells me, you know, he says, I'm having an affair um, and I love her. And this is over. We're done. Holy. And it was. Wow. I mean, it felt like I literally got hit by a bus. Like Like somebody kicked you right in the stomach. I couldn't see. Like everything was dizzy. I just fell to the floor. Like I, I couldn't even like. Even though all the signs pointed to that, right. I never saw it coming. Like, yeah. I was so blindsided, so blindsided. And I just hopped in my car. I was in my pajamas, no bra, no shoes, just, like, hopped in my car, started driving, drove to Lexi's house, and I just remember falling on her doorstep, and I just fell. And um, it all just happened really fast. Yeah. Really, really fast. So he told me um, – he had already had all of his stuff packed up that I didn't know about. Like the day previously, he had packed all of his stuff up. And you didn't even, you didn't know? No, I didn't know. And oh. so he had taken everything that he needed, was already ready to go. Um, yeah. So I picked up the kids from school, tried to keep it together. Tried to, you know, say daddy's going to be away for a little while. Yeah. Um, and we, that happened the beginning of November we were divorced like 30 days later, like fully divorced. Wow, that's really fast. Deal really fast. And then he was married to her shortly after. And so it was just like, it was a whirlwind. Um, I still was in such like, it was such an abusive and controlling relationship yeah. that he was still like controlling what was happening because mm-hmm. he had already known what was going on. They had right. been having an affair for a year. So like he had already planned this out, right? But I was so blindsided and he was like, okay, let's, you know, let's do this without lawyers. Like, 
what do you want? And I said, I just want the kids. That's all I want. And so I gave him everything. I left everything. Um, Within a month, we, I packed up what I could and moved it into storage. Um, I left my car in the driveway with the keys in it and left the house, left the car, left everything, left it, just left it. And we just had to start over. I just remember like, I didn't have any money. I didn't have a vehicle. I didn't have a home. Like the girls and I were literally homeless. Um, we, that is so crazy. Couch surf for a little while. And I just tried to make it really fun. Like we're having sleepovers, you know, and I couldn't, I had no rental history because I always lived with him. Right. Right. And my name was on the mortgage. So I couldn't get a new home until he refinanced and got my name off the mortgage. So like no one would take me because I had no rental history. I had no money for a down payment. My parents were willing to help me, but I just felt so much guilt and shame in it. Of course. I was like, I got to do this on my own. Yeah. Um, And so thankfully I had my photography to fall back on. Right. Um, And I just, my, uh, a friend of mine ended up letting me stay in his house. That was empty for a couple of months. So we stayed there. And then I moved to Farmington and found a different house. And that year I just hustled my butt off. I mean. I think I shot 35 weddings that year. 35? 35 weddings. And Could you imagine doing that now? Absolutely not. No way. <laughs> but I just had oh to my gosh. I just had to do it. And you I had just to. I didn't want my girls' lives yeah. to be harmed in any way, you know? And I just wanted, I wanted it to be like a smooth transition for them. And so I just did my best to make it as easy as possible on them. When you look back on your life and you look back, okay, you were 19 and who you are now and who you were then are so two totally different people. It's like you're living different worlds. Yes. And so in order for you to be who you are now, right, you had to travel that that road. But it's like drowning with no fucking life jacket and you have nobody around you. And so you get to share your story now to help other people. And I think the biggest point of it is it's not fucking fun. No. It's it's drowning. Imagine literally drowning that's what with a life like. jacket that has a hole in it. Yeah. And it's what's powerful behind it is that the thought of you doing 35 weddings. Like when you said that, I was like, that's pure fucking insanity. It was. But it's also what it took for you to get your life back yeah. and for you to figure out, okay, who am I now? Yep. Because yeah. you went from one trauma, you bonded to someone that you probably didn't really necessarily yeah. want to be with, but at the time you were broken. Yes. And yep. so now. And then that you, left me broken too. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so. And so now it's like, okay, so now what? What's my identity? That's who what am I? I? Yeah. Do you feel like who you are now today is who you are? Like, do you feel like you have found Kale? Like, not Kale the friend or the wife or the – Right. Like, do you feel like you have this standard ground for yourself? I feel really grounded in who I am, but, like, who I am with other people. Like, we were talking earlier is still – I'm still discovering, like – I've just been betrayed by so many people and I've had the rug ripped out from underneath me to say it in the most basic terms. 
um, so many times that it's really, really difficult for me to get to a place of trust and acceptance with anyone, even with Cliff. I mean, we've been together four and a half years now. Yeah. And all the time, like even still, he'll be like, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like, I love you for who you are, you know, and you don't, you don't, you can just be you. And so it's hard for, it's still hard for me to not think that I have to perform to keep someone in my life. Right. Right. That I can just be. And that's just, it's hard. I think it also makes sense why you don't let friends in. Why would you let new friends into your life when the friends that you had trusted and loved weren't there when you needed them the most? Mm -hmm. I mean, friends are what make, people our age with kids, like you need that. You need someone to call when something happens with your kids. You just want to talk about it. You just want to talk and maybe complain about your boyfriend or your husband or say all the good and happy things. And so we as humans, like it's our, it's our natural, we want to fall in love. Mm -hmm. So letting a man back in your life is almost, it's just, it's probably harder but we need that like affection. Like those are things that we mm-hmm. need as humans. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but friendships, like that's a whole other category of trust. Yeah. And even through the divorce, I mean, I lost all of my friends. Like every <sighs> single friend that I had, like lifelong friends, my family, um, his family, that was my family. Like I would have died for any one of those people in a heartbeat, in a second. And I mean, it felt like, it really was like almost like a dollhouse. Like Kaylee's been in this dollhouse with us for a decade, 10 years. We're going to pick her up and we're going to replace her. And we're not, I never got texts. I never got phone calls checking in on me after everything happened. Like I literally was erased and replaced with these people that I had poured my heart and soul into for 10 years, friendships, family. And so I lost everything. And so rebuilding that and like, figuring out like what is in it for the long haul what's real I just want authentic I just want genuine in my yeah. life because I can't take more I can't heartbreak. take more pain and heartbreak like I can't I physically can't do it yeah I think one of that just gave me the chills I truly believe that one of the most painful things in the world is a heartbreak even though you were in this marriage that was had narcissism you know all those categories you were still in love with him and you still lived in a world that was very real to you Mm -hmm. and so when you are so in love with someone and that person doesn't want you anymore yeah that is one of the hardest things for your brain to wrap around it's like you are living in someone else's world and Mm -hmm. that feeling when you talk about it even me talking about your story makes me think about mine and I physically feel like I'm there the day of that heartbreak yeah I physically feel that pain and that is something I would not wish upon the person I hate the most in the world Mm -hmm. because it is I just feel like sometimes people think that you can just walk away well if he lied to you and he was a narcissist and he did all these why didn't you just leave yeah and I remember my therapist after all this happened I remember her telling me it's almost worse than a spousal death because 
they died, but they chose to die. And they chose somebody else. It is the worst. While you were still living your life. And so, yeah, and it all happened so quickly, like, and I have so much respect for their stepmom now. Like, I truly, genuinely love yeah, her let's, so much. Yeah, let's go there because actually when you when you and I talked about this the other day um, and you said that you have so much respect for her, even at the beginning of this, to me that's – it's crazy. Like, I can't – and I get it because I'm an adult now. I wasn't an adult a few years ago. But <laughs> sometimes the petty in me is like, how could you possibly – how could you possibly feel that way? And a lot of that is one, you've moved on. Yeah. And two, you have kids to raise mm-hmm. with them. And she's obviously not going anywhere. And I think I just, yeah. So I'm going to let you talk now because I'm over here. Try- I'm like, don't be, don't no, be petty, hard, you know? Right. And so it's <laughs> been a really long time to get to this place. But like, even from the beginning, like I knew after it all happened, um, so she was married to one of his coworkers, and so it was just kind of like this big mess, right in the beginning. Jeez. Um, everybody got divorced. They married, um, and I knew that I had to face her. Like I knew, you know, if you're gonna be in my kids' lives, I need I need to know who you are as a person. Yeah. I need to trust you. So I remember meeting up with her, and I remember her apology being really, really, really authentic. And I remember we left that conversation with a big hug. And this was just months after. And I That's just, crazy. I could, fe- I just could sense that she was in it because she really loved him. Mm-hmm. And she really already loved my kids, which was so hard. It was like just this internal battle, right? Because you just lost your life. You were replaced. Nobody from your previous life cares about you anymore. They all care right. about this new person including your children. Like they still love you obviously, but there's this new exciting person, you know, she's, they latched onto her. Um, and it felt like I was even replaced by my kids. And so there was a lot, it was a lot to go through with that, you know? And as time went on, I really saw how much she loved them and how she really sacrificed a lot to love them. Um, and I have a lot of respect for her in that way. And I don't know the the actual reality of their relationship. Right. But it seems like she's really good for him. And it seems like she really keeps him being a good person. Like Love is a crazy love is a crazy thing. I mean, people people change and people evolve and people yeah. um I also am a big believer in there are people that just bring the worst out of you. Yeah. And so maybe you guys just did that for each other. Mm -hmm. And so now that you have something healthy and very different, um, you can kind of see that. And I know that my husband brings out a side of me that no one ever has in my life. And so, and I have some really deep things inside of me that can come out sometimes. And so I think that people can just kind of bring that out of each other. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they are just the good for each other and that's yeah that's what I want to believe yeah I I I see that and I think that that's true um and so yeah we've come a long ways in the last four and a half years but um it's a work in progress and it's like nice it's a relief to be at the point where I can say like we're friends now like yeah I feel like the four of us are finally friends and like to see 
that come full circle and to for our kids to see us together and to see us hanging out together and to see that Leah and I like we'd, it's huge. we'd make plans to hang out and to yeah. like spend time together and bond as a family and we have respect for each other yeah. and we give time where we can and we you know take time when we can and like when you have kid you have two kids to raise and that's yeah. not going to that's not going to ever go away yeah. you know people say well, when they're 18 like they grow and it's like you know I have seen divorced families that at their weddings yeah they can't be in the same room with their mm-hmm. parents and you know I think it's very powerful and it's strong for all of you to get along yeah. and I'm also I'm also a big believer in people make mistakes mm-hmm. and that is yeah just kind of what it comes down to is Absolutely. sometimes we do things that we wish we could take back or change and affairs are an interesting category just in general because yeah. people usually don't do that because they're in this beautiful happy marriage that's right. not how it works yeah and so when you're on the side of it that you know your other spouse is cheating it's hard and the people in your life are going to take that side and they're going to defend you. That's kind of what their job is, right? right? As your support system. Sometimes you have to get to like the root of that. And the root is neither one of you were happy. Yeah. And you were just kind of going with the motions, playing, playing the part. And that's, what's hard about being our age Mm -hmm. as we grew up in an era where you were supposed to, to be the person who got married, yep. you took care of your husband, you played the part, yep. you literally played the role in the dollhouse. Yep. That is what we knew. So when you become the person who is assaulted, yep. gets divorced from a, something that's very toxic, and then goes out into the fucking world with people who aren't like us, what do you do? You survive it alone. You survive. You are every day one foot in front of the other. I have to do this alone. I yeah. have to I have to make it. And it's very fight or flight. And like you were saying earlier, like now that I'm in this stage of life, life where I have a lot of peace, I find myself craving oh, the survival yes, about mode that. because, wow, I went through it for years and I was just such a different person. And like, how did you how okay so let's rewind a smidge here how did you meet cliff um i met cliff um actually while i was technically still married so kendra oh yeah is cliff's cousin and oh so i didn't I know grew, oh i didn't know they were kind of, i grew I didn't up know. with um in aztec so did kendra and her family and um one of my best friends kim was going over to a thanksgiving party at the McKetty's Kendra's okay. family's house I was like hey come along so I came along um and Cliff was there and we just he like kept chatting with me and I was like stay over there buddy you know yeah don't <laughs> even zero interest don't even think and, about it you sir know, he was like I just want to be your friend like let's I don't you're not family so like I don't know anything about you like I just want to get to know you because everybody else here I already know right so it's like, fine, I'll give you a chance. So like we sat down and chatted and he had done some videography stuff. And so we kind of like chatted about that. Um, and then right off the bat, he was like, I was like, you know, what are your life goals? Like, what do you, 
what are you looking for? And he had just gotten out of a 10-year relationship as well. And Oh, wow. And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't really... I don't really know. Like, I was like, what are your deal breakers, you know, like with a relationship? And he was like, you know, kids. Oh, my God. Tattoos. And I was like, ah, <laughs> okay, well, I have, have a all good of life. This, yeah. You know? Bye. And so, um, yeah. So for a while, we were just friends. And he was like, while I was getting divorced, he was like, yeah, just my friend, you know, and he was just checking in on me. And I wanted to date him at that point because I was just like, hey, maybe this could be fun. Like, you're he's nine years older than me and I was like he has his crap together like sure yeah. and he was like no like I want you to go and live your life a little bit like I you need that like you deserve that and I don't want to hold you back from that and so he's like I would love to still just be your friend and be here when you need me but I want you to go live your life and I was like okay and I I was really offended at the time of course and I was like whatever <laughs> but I still I still talk to him occasionally um and but I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go do my thing. And then I kind of put a, like a timestamp on it because I was still like really interested in seeing where it was going to go, you know? And so I, you know, went out, I had never partied, but I went out a couple weekends in Durango yeah. and like, just tried to like figure out what it was. What was be. next? Yeah. Cause I had had my first kid at 19. Yeah. And so I had some fun and circled back and I knew that it was like almost six months and I texted him on six months on the day, June 1st. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, good. How are you? And I was like, well, I've lived a little bit. You ready to take me on a date? And he was like, sure. Yes, let's do it. Oh and my so, gosh. Yeah. And then ever since then, um, inseparable. Best and friends. four and a half years later. Yeah. And he's great with the girls. Amazing. Uh, amazing. You guys are incredible. I, so I think, having a healthy relationship was that hard to then go into something healthy it was hard it was hard to um even we did long distance for a long time because we were going through custody stuff and you lived in farmington and he lived in yep he lived in pagosa i lived in aztec and so and he worked out of town a lot and so it was very long distance and he gave us whatever time he could when he had it but we i didn't even introduce him to the girls for like nine months yeah um because I wanted to be so cautious. You want to be sure. Hearts, yeah. You know? And yeah. he did too. And so, yeah, just trusting him and even becoming like any bit dependent on him. So like even oh, once yeah. we went through, because custody stuff happened um, during COVID, we were in a custody battle for like almost two years, like a year and a half. Oh my gosh. And at that point, he was really wanting me to move to Picosa with him. And I kind of had to wait for the court stuff to get approved to even move up there. Um, and then once we got the approval, it was like really exciting, but also really terrifying. Scary. Because I didn't want to rely on anybody else, yeah. even though I loved him more than anything in the world. And moving out of the place where you mm-hmm. built this life yeah. and that and I felt was really safe. safe. Yeah. And I was living in my grandma's house at that time because she was in the nursing home. And so we were just like super comfortable. And I knew that I either had to let him go or I had to take the next step. Which had was to jump. Being really vulnerable. Yeah. And so it was really, really hard because, and I really loved being a single mom. Like it was really, really hard, but it was so beautiful. There's something freeing about it. And just like the little things, like you really get to just kind of do what you want when you want. Not that you can't do that in a healthy relationship, but it's different. You also get to like sit in your living room all by yourself when you don't have the kids, you Uh know, um, there is just get to like, 
you just have this bond with your kids that's like unlike any other time in your life and I miss that so much because there I really miss when I was when it was just me and the boys they used to climb into bed both of us at different times like one would come at 10 30 one would come at midnight and it's not that they can't do that now because they they could but it was different it was Mm -hmm. it was I was never really alone. I had my mm-hmm. two little sidekicks, you yeah, know. Yeah, we were and, a gang, and we were yeah. unbreakable. Like, you could not break the bond that was the girl gang. Yeah. And, you know, us. I will tell you, so my kids are a little bit older than uh-huh. yours, and mine, they remember. Yeah. They remember some really cool shit Yeah, that you don't remember. And it might have been, like, a really bad day for you or mm-hmm. a day where you were really struggling and they remember the good parts of that day. Yeah. And that shit's fucking cool. Like yeah. now that my kids are older, like they talk about stuff like, Mom, remember it when we were so at the trailer? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I've had a little bit of that recently. Um, even just with like the the affair story. So like yeah. when everything happened, I didn't tell the kids what had happened. Like I made every excuse in the book for their dad because I didn't want them to see him in that light, right? And so he in the beginning blamed me. So he told the kids that like the reason he had to leave was because I always fought with him. And so they would come home from being with him and they would just cry and they would say, mommy, can you please stop fighting with daddy so we can be a family Mm. again? And I just buried that cross for years because I knew that they weren't old enough or ready to understand. You know what? I'm going to swallow this and I'm going to take it because they can't understand. And I'm not going to make them. I'm not going to do that to them. I'm going to let them come to me at some point and it's going to happen naturally and I'm not going to force it. And so just a few weeks ago, um, we were driving back from skiing and Aspen, my youngest, asked me just point blank. She was just like, so it was weird. We were driving back from Wolf Creek and we were listening to Soldier Boy. <laughs> and Aspen <laughs> looks me dead in the eyes in the rear view mirror and she's like, turn down the music. And so I like turn it down and she's like, so what really happened with you and dad? And I was like. Oh, oh my boy. gosh. Oh, so, so we're here. <laughs> Avery like speaks up and she's like, well, it's because they fought a lot. And mom like always like fought with daddy. And I was like, okay, like pulled over. And I was like, I'm going to be real with you guys. Like, this is what happened. Like, you know, your dad loved somebody else while we were still married, um, which was your stepmom. But like, we're all, it doesn't make him a bad person. Yeah. Right. And his choices don't the the create chills. his life. Yeah. And your choices don't either. Like, Yes, they do it to a certain extent, but you don't have to be held to that, right? You're, he's not a bad person and we're all happy, right? So like, here we are, we're all happy. And, you know, it took a lot for them to digest that. And then last week we were in Phoenix and it was just me and Avery, my oldest. And um, we were chatting about, I try to hype them up when it's time for them to go back to their dads. I'm like, you're going to do all these fun things with your stepmom and with your dad. And like, it's going to be so fun, you know? And she was like, well, maybe me and you and my stepmom can all hang out while this next week. And I was like, yes, I would love that. And she was like, I love that you and her are good friends. And I was like, yeah. And she just looks me dead in the eyes and she's like, I cannot, what did she say? She said, um, it had to have been so hard for you to be her friend back then. And I said, it was really hard. And she said, but you did a really good job. You were always that really just, oh my nice to her and you were always friends. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, that would have been so hard, mom. I'm so proud of you. Isn't that crazy? 
That's you and her. And I was like, that and that's that. just so awesome. To it like makes have, it worth it. Yeah, it makes it worth it. And I'm just. It does. And I'm so happy that, and now that it didn't, it didn't hold anything back from her relationship with her stepmom yeah. either. Like I didn't get in the way of that. Well, you're also teaching your kids that you don't have to be what the world and society says you do. Yeah. That's the whole point of all of this is that you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're probably going to make some really fucking big ones. Yeah. And you can come out of the other side of that always. And your mistakes and your past don't define you. Yeah. Nothing before today has to define you. Yeah. It's how you treat people and it's how you react. Mm-hmm. And you can always learn and grow. And so her seeing that in you means that that is what one she remembers about you but also of everything you've been through in your life that is what you're teaching your girls yeah and so that's powerful and they for were you. looking you know they were looking for it whether yeah. i knew it or not like they were they were watching right they're and always so watching they remember those, those kids all the good stuff always all the fun times we had but they were also yeah. just really taking it all in and trying to figure out like what does this look like and what you know and just and where where do you go specifically from there right yeah. is you know, when things are hard, I think as kids, they don't know what it hard really means. Right. They don't know what like the really shitty days turn into. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you can show that spectrum of good and positivity and that's what they're learning is powerful. Yeah. So I feel like God, we could literally talk forever and ever. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Forever. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. We'll we'll put this one in. We still haven't even. No, it's. I know. We'll put it in two parts, and then we'll have to do a third one. Um, I want to, before we close it off, like the very end of this, um, when we post this, I really want to put some information for sexual assault and. I didn't even know that there were rape centers. Obviously, Durango doesn't have one. I was a 911 dispatcher for years, and that isn't a thing here. So I think it would be great for us to share some resources for that. Absolutely. And then also earlier you offered, you know, if people want to reach out to you individually, if you are in crisis yourself or have questions or anything, um, Kayla and I are going to have to do a third one because this is already at an hour and a half. Um, Is it? Yeah. Can I have five more minutes? Yes, please. Yes. Um, I just feel like that was like a lot of like really bad things that happen. And I feel like if people that are in a bad spot just hear all of that, like yeah. negativity, yes. that they're like, yeah, I'm here with yes. you in this bad spot, but like you're not helping me. Like, how do I get out? Yeah. You know? And that's my ultimate goal is like all these things happened to me for a reason. And I know that it was to help other people. Right. And so that making beauty out of the ashes right and it took a really long time and I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight for people but I did like that was my whole thing with this and I made like a little bit of notes because I was like I really want to share it I really want to like bring this whole thing around to like at the end of the day I was in the trenches for a really long time and I thought so many times like I'm always going to feel I'm always going to be in this darkness this shadow is going to just consume me and at one point taking one step at a time and it was like I said simple tasks every day of just like because when you look at what's coming for you when you're in the trenches 
it's very overwhelming, right? Right. The full picture. And it can just be too much. And so me being who I am, I was like, okay, you know, one day at a time today, I have to do this to, to move forward. And it's just one, one step at a time. And so my encouragement for people first off is to sit in that grief, to sit in that pain, to really be vulnerable and feel it and don't run from it, feel it, and then start moving towards your goal. And while you're doing that, don't look at your goal as this big, huge thing that you have to accomplish. It's okay, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to eat and tomorrow I'm going to have an honest conversation with a friend and the next day. And it's just one day at a time. Don't look at tomorrow, look at today. What can I do to heal today? Yeah. Right. And then eventually the sun, the sunshine, it hits your face while you're in that shadow and you're like, okay, that feels good. And then you keep going and you keep going until you find yourself in a place of peace. And you're like, I worked for this, you know, and it was one day at a time. That just made me feel like I could take a really deep breath. Yeah. I don't know why. It just made me feel like. And I just want people to know that there's hope, right? Because people have it way worse than even I do and you do. And and there is hope on the other side. Like it will get better. And so like I have the steps, like give yourself permission to feel, be willing to ask for help, whether that be a friend or a trusted person or a therapist, or if you are a victim of sexual assault, any of the hotlines, any anyone like just ask for help just do it you have to have people walk with you i think it's so scary it's so scary to do that because how do you like when i i just how do you reach out to someone that you don't know and tell the scariest part about yourself you know i almost feel like that's easier than telling the people that know you best yeah because finding a stranger to tell them or even people that are tight in your circle like you have to walk with people and it's almost like like a chain like walk right so like you're holding someone's hand and then you're passed off to somebody else oh i love that and it's another hand and it's like your village and it's like you have you have to ask for help you'll never make it alone yeah i love that so much and uh yeah take your healing journey one day at a time don't get overwhelmed and then shift your perspective that's a huge one. That's that's From, that is a big one. Why is this happening to me? To what am I going to learn from being in this darkness, and how am I going to be able to help someone in the future? Do you think that that's one of one of those that's like the hindsight twenty twenty? Like you really have to be on like step five or six before you can say, okay, yes. this is what I. To you some know. point, I mean, I would say you know my faith had a lot to do with it. Like I even remember um, talking with my mom shortly after my sexual assault. And I remember saying, I'm really, I've physically and mentally like thanked God that this happened to me and not to somebody else because without my faith, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it out of this. You wouldn't have survived it. Someone who doesn't have that. I just, I was literally thankful that it happened to me. Because I knew that I would be able to use it later in the future. Do and you? So if someone doesn't have something to hold on to, I feel like it's hindsight. Do you feel like now still, or even like, do you feel like you suffered with like depression or yes, like even now? Do you do you feel like yes. you still like we didn't really touch on that? Um, how do you navigate that? Like as 
someone who is so busy and someone like, how do you, I always want people to pass on like, depression doesn't always look like staying in your bed for days. No. Especially when you're busy and you have kids, like you can still be out in the world and really be struggling on the inside. Yeah. And so I feel like you are very, I feel like you and I are very similar in that. And I have not met another person, but I just get the vibe that you are not the person that stays in bed. No. Like that's not what depression looks like for you, right? Yeah, you literally can't. But that doesn't mean that you aren't. So what does that look like for you? You know, my life, it's very, with co-parenting and sharing time, it looks so different, right? And so right now we are doing week on week off. And so, and I'm homeschooling. So the weeks that I have my kids, it's like balls to the wall. We're going, we're doing, we're hands-on. We are 24-7. Well, and you guys are active outdoorsy yeah, in general just 24 7 i mean we're doing school in the morning we're doing as many physical activities in the afternoon as we can outside we're staying up late having our movie nights having our girl time and then like it's just non-stop and then they go back to their dads and cliff goes back to work and then and you're I'm alone. home alone and i have i to just had another down. idea i'm going to tell you at the end of this podcast i know what our next one is going to be and it's going to be a vibe i just got the best <laughs> idea well i think um, there is a lot. There are a lot of people out there who are doing week on week off, mm-hmm. and so the amount of people that have selfishly told me, "I wish that I could have a break from my kids for a week, or a break from my husband for a week." Um, if you're listening and you tell me that again, I'm gonna punch you in your throat um, physically. Um, but to me, I'm like, do you know how hurtful that is to say? Yeah. Because I would love to not have that week yeah. off with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have that big family happy mold that just never leaves. And so um, there's a whole other spiral. Yeah. And it's very whiplash. Like I, I finally realized that like recently, um, especially like with seasonal depression and all that, but you know, this is my slow season. So I'm not shooting weddings right now. I'm editing things that I needed to finish from last year and editing like family stuff that I'm shooting right now. But as soon as my kids leave, I'm alone until Cliff yeah. gets home at night. And it's So just, what do you do? So what is your I work and I try to push myself to go outside, but I mean stay busy. Like you try to just even the other day, like two weeks ago, Cliff came home and I hadn't even really realized it. I was just in like a really weird mental place. I was depressed. And he came home and he was like, Okay, babe, stay six. You have not left this house in six days. Six days. Oh my god. We're we're going. Like you're going out and we're going to dinner. And I was like, I don't want to. Like I have this to do. Like I don't want to shower and get ready. And he was like, Nope. He like literally like lifted me, like was like, We're going. We're leaving the house. I'm doing this for you. And like took me out. And like obviously I feel better when I get out. Always. Always. But like, how do you do that for yourself? Right. And I don't know what that looks like. And I'm yeah. still trying to figure that out because I still struggle. And even when I have my kids, because as soon as they get back, I've just like gotten to a place where I'm surviving on my own and then they come home and then it's like, boom, right back into it. And so then I get really frustrated and really short tempered with them. And then I have to like work back into it. And then as soon as I'm like comfortable back into it, then they leave again. You know, it's interesting that you say that um, when I got home earlier today, 
so Tony and I kind of have like a like our system which I'm sure you and Cliff do yeah and so like I always give him a kiss when I walk in like our it's just we have things that we always do yeah and I feel like that very first day when I have my kids, I feel like it's full-blown fucking chaos. Yes. The transition and so is wild. It's like I come in, I don't kiss him right away, I don't talk to him, and I'm just – I'm this other person because I have 10 million things to do. And last Sunday, I came home, I put my bag down, I kissed him, I sat on the couch. You are living two different lives. And so we always talk about what split lives do to kids. Yeah. And there is all this research and all these books and all these things you can do. And so next time, we're going to talk about what it's like to be moms that have to split their kids and what how that looks like for us. Yeah. Because it is what you said. I was like, oh, my God, I nobody else has ever felt that but me because yeah. I I absolutely hate it. I get I get used to the okay, we have school, we have all these things to do, this is my yeah. schedule, and then as soon as I'm comfortable getting used to it, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And then it's um, it's silence, and you have family, and I have family, and I share my kids with my parents and yeah. other people. and You only have a few days, and you yeah. have to juggle it all, mm-hmm. and you have to make it all work. And it's yes, really exactly. Okay, sorry, I cut you off from your no. your list. No, that's, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, sharing your children is the hardest thing it's, of all time it's it really is full-blown misery yeah and being in this stage of life i think i told you earlier this is one of my favorite stages of life because i am authentically literally giving zero fucks what people think about yeah. me and that's powerful on its own uh-huh. and i'm making friends because I'm opening that door for people to also be that. Right. And that is what is like flipping the switch is that we live in a world where it's acceptable to be all of these things. But when you are a millennial like us, a lot of the mistakes that we have made are because we were told we were supposed to be a certain thing and do things a certain way. And so we did them and we stayed in things longer because we didn't know there was another way. Yeah. You know? And it's just paralyzing. Yeah. That's the best word I can think of. It's like the pressure of society and what people expect out of you is paralyzing. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right, let me wrap this up. Yeah, wrap it um, up. Yeah, shift your perspective. And like you said, if you're not at that point yet, that's totally okay. Yeah, like absolutely. You have to work to get to that point. But you also have to right. actively get out of the trenches like you can't stay there forever and absolutely so if you have this mindset of you know these people did me wrong and blaming everything on everybody else like you have to look inwards and you have to accept responsibility for the things that you can do and your choices to some extent do create your life and you have to choose better for yourself because no one's going to do it for you yeah no one's going to do it for yeah. you and it's true um to let yourself be worthy of love things <sighs> You know. That just gave me the chills. Yeah. And that is probably the last one. Is that the last one? Then my last one is just to extend grace and forgiveness. Once you're on the outside of things, you can can really get to a place of where you can really extend grace to people because you know that they make mistakes. I think the extending love one is so hard because you're so broken on the inside and the person who's going to love you. I remember when I told Tony like all of everything and he just kind of looked at me like I wasn't broken 
Right. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. I, I am bro. Like I'm, I'm all these things. And he's like, no, you're not. And so finding that person is very special. And I feel very lucky because it takes a lot of patience. I'm sure Cliff has to have a lot of patience because that trauma and those things inside of you don't just go away. So opening that door for someone to love you when you are broken and picking up pieces of you, essentially putting you back together Mm -hmm. is powerful and it takes strength from you and from that other person, you know? He's a trooper, let me tell you. He's the best, best person I've ever met. I love that for you. I love seeing your guys' photos. I'm like, this needs to be like a magazine of life because you guys are always doing amazing things. We have so much fun together. That's what life should be. That's what life should be like. And, you know, I think sometimes we get lost in those society stigmas of like what you should be or what should be happening at this stage in life. And if you're happy... Yeah, I'm happy. Just we enough. have hard days, just like everybody. Else. Oh, of course. But, wow. Yes. We are truly best friends. I've oh never had gosh. that. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think that you are. I don't know that I want to use brave because I feel like you were brave years ago going through it. I feel like today this is just strength, and it's you being a person that is sharing something for other people who are listening to take that and use it as strength for them. Yeah. It's like you're giving them confidence. You're giving them strength. You're giving them tools in a way that isn't standard. It's not a book that people are reading. You're saying, look, I was broken too, yeah. and I was hurt too, and you have choices, and you can survive it. Yeah, you can. And if you, like, circling back real quick to if you are a victim of sexual assault or domestic abuse, you – don't let people gaslight you and you are worthy and you what happened to you was not your fault oh I love that and you don't let anyone tell you otherwise yes nothing that you did absolutely created what happened to you nothing that you didn't do created what happened to you yes it was not your fault it's still not your fault but you can still get through it at the yes. end of the day and I can help you there's tons of resources and people that can help you yes please reach out to kale also when we post this um i will post all the information we'll post phone numbers like all different kinds of stuff um and we will put it also in the spotify link um so thank you so much for sharing your story with me um wow we really did love you lots girl (sighs) Man, we did a long time, girl. I love those for us. I still feel like I I know. I know. We skipped a lot of things. I know. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And if you made it all the way to the end, we appreciate you and we'll see you next time.